This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that shines a light on the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about one of the scariest close calls of the 20th century, the time when the U.S. military dropped an atomic bomb right in one family's backyard. The day was March 11, 1958. An Air Force B-47 bomber mistakenly dropped a nuclear weapon on a rural farmhouse in Mars Bluff, South Carolina. The bomb landed in the woods behind the home of railroad conductor Walter Gregg. He and his wife, their three children, and a visiting niece were injured in the blast, but amazingly, they all survived. Luckily for the Greggs, and for the eastern half of the United States, the nuclear bomb in question wasn't carrying a radioactive payload when it was dropped. By now, you're probably wondering why the U.S. Air Force was flying a nuclear warhead over South Carolina. At the time, the country was on high alert for a potential nuclear attack from the Soviet Union. To maintain readiness at a moment's notice, the military kept at least one nuclear-armed bomber in flight at all times. On the afternoon of March 11th, the B-47 responsible for the Mars Bluff incident was in the middle of one such training exercise. It was called Operation Snow Flurry, and the mission was to fly an atomic bomb on a practice run from the Hunter Air Force Base in Savannah, Georgia, to the United Kingdom. Missions like this obviously posed considerable danger to civilians below, but the threat of a Soviet strike made them worth the risk, at least in the eyes of the military. The crew of the B-47 bomber consisted of three men, the pilot, Captain Carl M. Kohler, the co-pilot, Captain Charles S. Woodruff, and the navigator, Captain Bruce M. Kolka. Their cargo that day was a 26-kiloton Mark VI nuclear weapon, an even more powerful bomb than the one dropped on Nagasaki. As the plane flew over South Carolina, a red fault light began to flash in the cockpit. It indicated that the locking pin on the bomb harness was malfunctioning and would need to be relocked manually. This was easier said than done, as accessing the cargo bay mid-flight required the entire plane to be depressurized and all of the airmen to put on oxygen masks. The navigator, 29-year-old Bruce Kolka, was sent to check out the problem, but he didn't actually know where the locking pin was located on the bomb harness. He thought it might be near the top of the structure, so he grabbed a hold of the harness and pulled himself up onto the bomb. Unfortunately, the handhold that Kolka happened to grasp turned out to be the emergency release lever. He watched in terror as the massive bomb beneath him dropped from its harness and collided with the closed doors in the floor of the plane. For a brief, tense moment, nothing happened, and Kolka just sat there, straddling a three-ton bomb in a scene straight out of Dr. Strangelove. Then, 
all of a sudden, the Bombay doors gave way. Kolka was able to scramble free in time, but there was no stopping the bomb. It plunged more than 15,000 feet, landing almost directly on a children's playhouse in the Gregg family's backyard garden. It's unclear why the accident didn't result in a nuclear explosion. The Air Force later claimed there was never any danger of an atomic blast, seemingly implying that the bomb's plutonium core had been stored separately in a different part of the plane. The other option is that the payload was indeed loaded into the bomb and that it just failed to detonate, a frightening prospect and not one the military would be likely to admit, even if it were true. In either case, the bomb may not have been armed with a fission core, but it was still packed with more than 6,000 pounds of conventional explosives. The resulting blast flattened nearby trees, totaled both of the family's vehicles, and destroyed their house, which stood just about a hundred yards away from where the bomb had landed. The force of its impact turned Greg's garden into a massive muddy crater, one that measured roughly 25 feet deep and over 50 feet wide. Witnesses later reported a mushroom cloud of dust and debris that could be seen in the sky from miles around in all directions. The entire Gregg family was home when the bomb went off around 4.30 p.m. They felt the house fall off its foundation and watched as gaping holes opened in the roof and walls. Despite the wide-scale destruction, Walter and his family sustained only minor injuries, and the only fatalities that day were a few free-range chickens. Walter Gregg remained remarkably upbeat about his family's near-death experience. After being assured that the military would cover all the damages, Gregg jokingly said, quote, I've always wanted a swimming pool, and now I've got a hole for one at no cost. It's worth noting, though, that Walter Gregg was reportedly awarded just $36,000, which wasn't enough to rebuild his house or replace his family's lost possessions. On the somewhat bright side, the Gregg family later appeared on the game show I've Got a Secret, and wouldn't you know it, no one on the panel was able to guess that an atomic bomb had fallen in their backyard. Within a few hours of the Mars Bluff incident, Air Force police set up a two-mile perimeter around the blast site. They also informed the local press that the community was in no danger of radioactive exposure, saying, quote, There was not enough radioactivity present to make a Geiger counter click. As for the three-man crew of the B-47, they were hastily reassigned to an overseas mission for the next several years. It's upsetting to think about military officers fumbling a nuclear weapon, which is why it's tempting to assume it was a one-time mistake. However, unplanned bomb drops were an all-too-common occurrence during the Cold War era. The lost bombs that fell during these unscheduled drops were nicknamed Broken Arrows, and more than a dozen of them were recorded throughout the 1950s and 1960s. In fact, Less than three years after the close call in Mars Bluff, another nuclear weapon was dropped by accident just one state over in Goldsboro, North Carolina. In that incident, a B-52 bomber malfunctioned in midair, releasing two hydrogen bombs on an unsuspecting community. 
It proved to be another instance of exceedingly good luck, as neither bomb detonated, although one came unnervingly close. There's still a lot the public doesn't know about these nuclear near-misses, including the true number that occurred. One way to potentially get to the bottom of it could be to go around and count the craters. Because, at least in the case of the Mars Bluff incident, the crater was never filled in. It's severely overgrown, but it's still there, just off South Carolina Highway 76. There's a historical marker and access sign posted at the impact site. But it is on private property, so visitors should still ask the current owners for permission before checking it out. After you've had your fill of staring at a hole in the ground, you can head over to the Florence County Museum, where several bomb fragments from the incident are still on display. The shrapnel was generously donated by the Gregg family, who apparently preferred not to have a souvenir to remember the day by. I can't imagine why not. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Before we close the show, I have an important announcement to make. Effective today, the show is moving to a five-episode-per-week schedule. That means there won't be any new episodes for Saturdays or Sundays for the foreseeable future. It wasn't a decision we made lightly, but for the sake of a healthy work-life balance, it's a necessary change. That's because it's just me and Chandler making the show, and delivering a new episode every day of the year is a tall order for just two people. So in the name of quality over quantity, we're going to keep this a strictly weekday affair for the time being. The upside is that with a lighter load to bear, we'll be able to keep making new episodes of the show for years to come. So stick with us. As always, you can keep up with the show by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments, concerns, or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. <laughs>